Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuck Reese show, hanging out in the Kia studios on this Tuesday night with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of this show. Well, we talked about it last week. Falcons found a way to win. Look, I didn't care if it was 4-1 to one that they won. You just had to find a way to go on the road in Tampa Bay and find a win. Now they got to do the same thing coming up against the Tennessee Titans. Of course, we'll have all the coverage right here on your home of the Falcons. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy, D. Orlando Ledbetter. He covers the Atlanta Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of his work and follow him on his personal Twitter page, at D. Orlando AJC. D. Led, my friend, always appreciate a few minutes on the show. Thanks for joining me tonight. Hey, John, thanks for having me this evening. Always a pleasure to come on your show and talk about the Falcons. So was there... You know, again, I'm just thinking out loud. When I was reading some of the quotes from B. John Robinson about waking up and not knowing where he was and the headaches and things like that, was there any thought about just dropping him in the protocol for a few days and just kind of evaluate him and see what's going on? Or, you know, was there any thought process to that about doing something, you know, about that? which maybe, again, would have gotten the NFL off their back if they'd done something like that. Yeah, it sounds uh, sounds like, you know, he got sick Saturday and they didn't find out. You know, they got to say this to, to beat the injury reporting rules that they didn't know about it until pregame. Um, and so, uh, you know, then that would mean that he didn't contact the doctor or, or he just tried to self-medicate and do it on his own or uh, you know, um, uh, just a bunch of scenarios. I think, like, if I'm a star player and I'm sick and I got doctors at my call, I'm going to probably call the team doctor and try to get something, you know, prescribed or or, or otherwise. He wasn't tested for COVID or, or a concussion. He was asked about that. Um, but, I, you know, we do know he has those migraines. And I have friends that have those cluster migraines and stuff, too, and, uh, you know, they go and pass, and sometimes they don't even know when they're going to go. And uh, But it seems like that's something they they would know about, uh, about their star running back. But, uh, yeah, they got to play like they didn't know anything because then if they did, they would have had to report it to the league. And so, you know, the league is looking into this now on, on what they know, what they knew and when they knew it. 
uh, and so forth. But, yeah, I'm thinking I'm a high-priced athlete, uh, you know, played at the University of Texas. And, you know, when I get these cluster headaches, I'm probably going to call the team doctor. But um, we don't we don't know that that was the case uh, yet. But uh certainly was a fishy scenario. Uh, and this just the injury reporting in general. I mean, it's the healthiest team I've ever seen. They need to give all their doctors uh, a raise, you know. Uh, but that's a, just different philosophies on how to do your injury reporting. Um, you know, Belichick puts 25 people on there because that's how many people, you know, if they walk in the training room, that they put them on there. And then we have this approach here where, you know, I'm sure people are seeing the trainers and doctors, but they don't really, you know, uh, you know, it's not, it's nobody. They're just the healthiest team in all of football. Yeah, they, uh, they. I guess they got a good medicine man. Do they? Do they have uh, Benny Hinn uh, again or whatever? Uh, is he, you yeah. know, or uh, a Vander's doctor? I mean, do they? They go to him. But anyway, um, D. Led. One thing I want to bring up to you and and get your thoughts on. So I was looking at some numbers, and AJ Terrell is the eighth most penalized player in the NFL, and that includes offensive players as well. It's not just defensive players, when you look at offensive players and defensive players combined, he's the eighth, he's tied for a group of the eighth most penalized players in the league. Has he been a little handsy this year for your liking? I mean, I know he's an aggressive corner, but it it has seemed to bite him. But reality is, is that they haven't, they haven't really been hurt by some of those penalties as of yet. Yeah, um, they're coaching a more aggressive style out there on the corners. You know, they're beating up the receivers. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to deny the double moves. It didn't work on the one, the 40-yard touchdown. But he said going into this, we knew he was going to get caught for stuff the way they're playing it. So, uh, you know, it's new new coaches back there. And, they're, they're you know, Jerry Gray. It's kind of the Bill uh, Belichick philosophy when they were playing the world's greatest show on turf. You know, you're just going to beat them up on every play, and if they call it, you get away with some. Uh, and if they don't, you know, they'll come back to bite you at some point. But um, that's the way they're playing, and they're coaching a little bit differently on that side of the ball. D. Orlando Ledbetter, the beat writer for the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining me here on the com hotline. And, you know, D-Led, you and I specifically have talked – I've talked about you with this with you. I've talked about this with Steve Weish. I I said I I thought that the best addition to this football team wasn't a player, that it was Jerry Gray, um, you know, coaching that secondary who was there with Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor in 2010 when those guys were rookies and I think they turned out okay. Is this really kind of the influence of a Jerry Gray with the way that this secondary is playing because – Again, we're we're seeing a little different style than what we've seen over the last couple of years. How much of the influence is this from Jerry Gray specifically? It's Jerry and Steven Jackson, his his buddies. They played together, uh, and uh, you know they've coached together at a couple of different spots. They know exactly how they want to play it back there. So, uh, you know, Jair Alexander in Green Bay is another guy he developed, yep. uh, and so forth. Yeah. Certainly, um, given his resume and, um, you know, his influence, uh, you know, you could afford to have a first-time signal caller in Ryan Nelson because, you know, uh, uh, Coach Gray knows exactly what he wants to uh, play, and I'm sure he shares that with the coordinator, and they call it accordingly. So he's uh, he's he's a de facto defensive coordinator uh, as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you, you know, at all on that. And uh, D-Led, you know, when, when you look at this defense, I think they're on pace for 38 sacks, you know, now. And again, you know, part of that is some of the quarterbacks that they're facing in this, then the other. But I've talked about this, you know, teams that have accumulated 38 or more sacks since 2016, 70% of those teams have ended up in the playoffs. They're getting to the quarterback, and they're doing a good job, you know, of all of this. But do you still think that they're, they feel like that they're one, one guy away coming off the edge where this could really be one of the elite defenses in the league? Well, yeah, uh, John, no doubt about it. They um, they are in the top ten in every category right now. You know, that the, the main ones are scoring – points uh you know they're they're up there in total yards rush and uh passing yards so uh it is a top 10 defense um the turn the, the sack of 13 uh you know after the slow start they got eight in the last two games but um yeah they they uh this they're probably not gonna give up a first round or second round pick for anybody you know everybody's talking about hunter and the, and the vikings had a fire sale on trade deadline what they're probably hoping for is the, the they need somebody on the roster to come on. And the person that it is is Arnold Evercady. He needs to come on or, you know, you go back to Renzo Carter. Um, you know, you're trying to develop uh, the young kid, and Carter was your insurance. Carter got a sack last week. Evercady had a, uh, did some damage the week before. Well, you need him to go on a tear where two or three, four, you know, sack games in a row uh, where they start, you know, caring about where he is, you know. Uh, uh, you know, he's gotten a lot of pressure in the past and had a good rookie season before he uh, injured his elbow. But I think that the development of your roster is probably the better way to go uh, than going out and uh, doing the old Ray Edwards move and uh, giving up a draft pick for an outsider that might not work out. And, you know, D-Lad, I mean, I know you and I have talked about this. I, I was preaching this all in the offseason that I thought Ebba Katie had to make the biggest leap going forward. And, and again, he has done some flashes. I think a couple of weeks ago in, that, in the game against the, the Commanders, he had a sack and a half. What has been, I don't know, what, I, I don't know what, what has been the thing that has not allowed him to just kind of, you know, explode just yet? Or what, what's holding him back? from being a premier type of pass rusher. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was him, Troy Anderson, and Richie Grant all had to make leaps this year. And now Troy's knocked out, so so that's not going to happen. Uh, but um, I think uh, it's just doing it, just doing it. He's got the speed. He's got the physical um, short area quickness and power. Um, I just think the reps, the more, you know, he can play out there, the more he can stay out there, then you can – Rest uh, Bud Dupree, uh, you know, Lorenzo, you know, give Calais a break. Uh, but, yeah, at some point you got to just play him and let him go. Uh, I think reps and play snaps is the answer to his problem. D-Led, we've, uh, you and I have talked about this before, and I, I continue to look at it. The Falcons are still 25th in starting field position. There's only seven teams in the league worse as far as average starting field position uh, to start a drive than, than what the Falcons are. And, look, you're asking your, you know, inexperienced quarterback to 
basically drive over 75 yards, almost 76 yards per drive to be able to score a touchdown. You know, again, what can they do to – I mean, again, I I know that that obviously Avery Williams was a big part of this, but I feel like that there are other things than just their special teams returns and stuff like that that are kind of contributing to this because this seems to be an ongoing theme that field position – uh, you know, again, when they got good field position, you know, to start the game, they went down and scored a touchdown. But their starting field position has been a real issue for them this year. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that uh, you know, there's no way to you know, other than special teams to improve that. The penalties have hurt too. You know, you get a good return and you bring it back to the eleven because somebody's holding. Uh, you know, Ty Davis had one of those uh, two games ago. So you look at the return units. Can you bust one? Um, and then you look at the penalties. Can you clean those up? Uh, those would be the good starts. And, and, you know, give them credit. The last two games, they opened with touchdowns. So he's uh, figured out how to uh, get a script that, that works. You know, this one was real basic. It was a run, pass to John o. Smith, run, pass to John o. Smith, run, pass to John o. Smith, <laughs> and, and you're down the field. So that's what I was saying, hey, Donald Smith's getting open, throwing the ball. And he did that in the first series there. So, I mean, you know, you take what you can do, you know, and uh, they've shown at times that Robinson can get loose and Donald Smith can get loose. So they're going to get the ball on the opening drive as far as I'm concerned. And uh, then you could throw that back shoulder fade on the sideline to Drake. You know, whatever plays you see work, put them back in the game plan and run them again. So, um uh, and he's got enough uh, seven games in to know what plays work and which ones don't. D-Led, last question for you. This feels like a game where this coming Sunday you can't afford to stub your toe. This is not a very good uh, Tennessee Titans team. Um, they, you know, they're talking about playing two quarterbacks, and neither guy is very good. Um, this feels like a game where, you know, and, and I thought the Falcons would do this against the Commanders, but – this feels like a game where you have to go in there and just find a way to win and and play some good football. I mean, this is not a very good Titans team that we're going to see on Sunday. No, it's not. Uh, no, it's not, John. And the old Paul Brown deal there, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Right. So uh, we're going to see that. But they do got a running back, and they got two of those, and you can have two running backs. So it's pretty clear what Coach Brable's got to do. He's a Buckeye. He knows exactly what to do. He's going to run the football and try to punch you in the mouth on defense. He's got some guys over there that can do that. Jeffrey Simmons et al. So it's going to be a, a bloodbath in Tennessee. And I know that's what Coach Smith is preaching to the team. He's like, I don't care who's the quarterback. We're going to have a fight on our hands. And uh, uh, Vrabel's going to try to take it to him, and he knows it. So, uh, I would have his team ready to be ready for the whole 15-round Old-school um, heavyweight bout here against Tennessee. I don't care who the quarterback is because they're not going – all they're going to be doing is handing the ball off to Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. Um, you know, they might throw an occasional pass to Hopkins, but that's about all they got. So, you know what the game plan is going to be going in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this will be a test for Arthur Smith. He's going to be the hunted in this game. He's not the hunter anymore. How does he handle a team from the front and not the back? And uh, um, that's going to be key because I'm expecting, oh, it might be like 6-3 to three on Sunday. It's going to be a fight. Yeah, yeah. And their offensive line versus our defensive line, I think, is going to be the battle of the game, uh, you know, coming up on uh, Sunday. 
D. Orlando Ledbetter, he is the Falcons beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of his work. Follow him on his personal Twitter page, at D. Orlando AJC, and he joined me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. D. Led, my friend, appreciate a few minutes on the show. Always thank you for joining us, and we will certainly chat again with you here soon. All right, John. Thanks so much for having me, and I really appreciate coming on your show. Take you, care and have a great uh, rest of the evening. You got it. Thanks, D-Led. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.